Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Mo, and I'll be your host for today as Amber is doing very important leadership things. But don't worry, she's going to be back next week to keep us all in line and keep us on track. So let's get right to it. Today's episode is titled, Vision is Everything for the Leader. And I'd like to begin with a story of one of my favorite leaders and creators. He's an old uh, guy. Uh, He's been passed away for several years now. And you may know him as Walt Disney the creator of Disneyland and so many other great things that we've all grown up with in our childhood and still today. But before I get to that, uh, my 12th birthday, I was at Disneyland. In fact, I got to go every year to Disneyland because my grandfather was an Imagineer. And if you don't know what an Imagineer is, it's the guys and girls that design and make all the rides at Disneyland and all the other Disney affiliated parks and uh, theme stuff all over the world. And so my grandfather was able to get a few people in free at a time. And so I remember there was always four of us. It was my grandfather and my mom, and then it was me, and then one of my friends. And so every year I chose a different friend to take to Disneyland. And we'd get there, and my mom would just pretty much just cut us loose. I'm talking about this was the 90s, so it was like free for all. And I remember we just had to be back for Fantasmic, which was the show that the last one, back in the old days anyway, I don't know about now, but the last one would go off at 10 p.m. And so we would meet up at Fantasmic and we would take off. Well, for my 12th birthday, we didn't even get to the Fantasmic piece. I was on uh, what was known as the Sky Cabins. And if you remember the Sky Cabins, they're the ones that, uh, they were on the big cable and you were in a little car and you kind of were looking down and you went from one land to the other in Disneyland. And they don't have those anymore because I think some guy jumped out of it or something and they had to take them down. But this was always like one of my favorite things to go in. And as a little kid, it was like really cool because they just literally put you in this box and it's like, wow, pretty cool. So me and my buddy were up there and apparently some guy thought that we were throwing stuff out and disclaimer, we did not throw anything out, but he saw and thought it was us. And so he followed us all the way to the end from one land to the other and was like, hey, these kids were throwing stuff at me and my kid. And so the Disney employees didn't know what to do. So they did the best thing that they could. They needed to sift it out and figure out what's going on. So they took us behind all the stuff that you see at Disneyland. They took us to the underbelly of Disneyland. And we actually landed in Disney jail. And for those of you out there, Disney jail does exist. And for you Disney fanatics, you already know this, but for us mere mortals, uh, we didn't know. And we found out real quick. And it was like a regular place back there. It was dirty and grimy and there was people walking around and... It was, I mean, the cast members were a little bit different. I mean, they weren't mean, but, you know, they weren't out there trying to impress and do all that stuff. And so we were in Disney jail and they had to figure out a way to get my mom to come pick us up. And so this was before the days of cell phones. So uh, they ended up actually paging her over the intercom of the entire Disneyland, which is pretty cool because they said, would the uh, mother of Michael Morales please report to, I think they called it Disney security, but it was Disney jail. And she came and she got us, and that's the short story. And uh, I maybe I can tell you the long version of the story later on, but my point is this. We saw the, the backside of Disneyland, and it was like completely different. 
And the reason I tell that story is because Walt Disney, when he was thinking up about his dream and the thing that he wanted to do as a dreamer and a cartoonist, he wanted to make Disneyland. And the reason he wanted to make Disneyland is because he used to take his daughter uh, to other theme parks when uh, she was a little girl. And the amusement parks were kind of broken down and kind of grimy and dirty. And he was like, man, uh, we need to make something better. And so he came up with the vision of Disneyland. And part of that vision was what he called no chipped paint, meaning he wanted the outside to look great. Now, don't worry about what the backside looks like, but the front and what everybody saw was immaculate. In fact, if you still go to Disneyland today, you'll see that there's always painting being done. There are always crew members going around from start to finish, front to back, in a circle, painting all of Disneyland. And talk about a vision that's sustained. And I think we could all agree that Disney has since made a bigger vision, and so we've seen a lot of that. Now, his disappointment of other theme parks was the inspiration to build what we know today as Disneyland. And I call that the dread meaning there are two ways to kind of see a reason to make your vision come to fruition. The first is a dream and the other one is a dread. And Walt Disney actually kind of had both. He dreaded those old school amusement parks and he wanted to make something awesome and he wanted to make it what? The happiest place on earth. But he also had a dread and he said, man, I don't want these things to be like that. I want to make something better. So my question is, as a leader, which one do you have? Do you have a dream or do you have a dread? Because vision is always evident for a leader. In fact, vision is indispensable. Why? Because vision leads the leader. Vision paints a target. Vision fuels the fire. In fact, vision is also the match that lights the fire for those who follow the leader. You know, show me a leader without vision and I'll show you someone who's dead in the water in their ability to lead. The best you can do at that point is pretty much move in circles and that doesn't help anybody. So when we're talking about vision, today we wanted to talk about things that promote good leadership. So here we go. There's three of them. As always, I like to go in threes, right? So vision resides in the heart. That's the first one. Vision resides in the heart. Meaning vision is personal. Nobody can give it to you. You have to come up with it on your own. You can't beg, borrow, or even steal a vision. If it doesn't get you to the very core of your being, it's not going to matter. Think about Steve Jobs and the iPhone, right? I was reading his uh, uh, one of the biographies on Steve Jobs, and I remember it saying that the first iPhone was as big as a ping pong table. And he had a bunch of men and women working on this invention for the iPhone. He said, I want to be able to look at what is as big as this ping pong table right here. And I want to be able to put it in the palm of my hand so that everybody can put that in their pocket. And today I would say that most of us have something that resembles an iPhone, whether you're an Android per person or you're an iPhone person, you have that invention. You're able now to hold what used to be as big as a ping pong table in the palm of your hand, put it in your pocket, and it's always there ready for you. Who's somebody else that has vision? Well, there's a ton of people, but Elon Musk comes to mind, right? Elon Musk pretty much has everything, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about going to outer space, and 
making it uh, making it available to have your own satellite and all those kind of things. Elon Musk had a dream, he had a vision, and he was able to make that come to fruition. And man, I'm telling you, I don't think that we're even scratching the surface on some of the stuff that Elon Musk has coming down the pike. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited that he is a person with vision, somebody that can dream. You know, vision has been around for leaders as long as we can remember. Back in the 60s, JFK actually said this, meaning President uh, John F. Kennedy said this, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard. Wow, that is vision. Talk about something big and above what was even fathomable. He said, we want to get off of this earth. We want to go land on the moon. And you know what? We're going to do it in this decade. And as soon as he said that, you can imagine everybody that was underneath him and his administration and all the people that were looking to him and thought, holy cow, we better get to work, right? <laughs> and so for Disney, we see that vision was never a problem for him because that's what he was created for. Disney strove for that kind of excellence. He always had his heart set on not what was, but on what could be. He wasn't stuck in the present. He was looking out in the future. So here's my question for you today. The first question on this point, do you lack vision? You know, it's okay if you lack vision because, you know, we all have natural gifts and desires. And really, you just need to ask yourself, what do I love to do? I used to love the question that my teachers would tell me when I was growing up. And they said it in every grade all the way up until like seventh or eighth grade. And once you get into high school, everybody kind of gets a little bit jaded and cynical, right? But I remember before that, every year we would sit down and we'd write papers on this and, and, and we would have to talk about it and, and help, uh, help each other understand. But they would say, here's a question. What would you do for your whole life if it were for free? If you didn't have to worry about money, if you didn't have to worry about uh, paying the bills, what would you do? Because that's your dreams and your desires. What is it that just kind of gets you right at the heart? And you know, I never saw that as a what if question, but I saw that more as a what will be question. Now, it's a little unfair because as you take the Clifton Strengths Finder, you're going to find out what your 34 strengths are in order. And my number one for the Clifton Strengths Finder is futuristic. <laughs> and it always has been. And I've been taking that assessment over and over again for the past 15 or so years. And futuristic's always been number one for me. And that's why I was really able to dream. But here's the thing. It's never too late to follow the heart. If you're not a vision person, if you're more practical, if you're more about the things that are right in front of you, that's all right. You don't have to necessarily be a futuristic person just on the face of it, but you can become a futuristic person. You can become a person with vision. Here's another couple of questions. What's your calling? What burns inside of you? Do you have a calling? I'm reminded of our healthcare workers right now, the men and women who are standing on the front lines and dealing with all the virus stuff. And I think, man, those men and women the doctors, the nurses, everything, even the janitors, all the way down and all the way up. Those are the people that are putting their, their, their selves on the line to make sure that we are able to live. They are doing what is difficult. They're doing what's hard so that we can be better. 
And so if you're a healthcare worker out there, thank you so much for what you do. We love you and keep on, uh, keep the fight up because what you're doing is a calling. You continue to pour yourself out for those who need your services. So thanks for what you do. Leaders, if you lack vision out there, you can do this. Find somebody who has a vision. Partner up with that leader, that man or woman who has a vision. You can latch onto something that already exists because in that you're probably going to find out what you like to do and what you love to do and what you do well. Remember, Walt Disney wasn't necessarily the business genius behind the company. That was his brother, Roy. Roy's the one who took care of all the day-to-day stuff, making sure that people got paid and all that. So for all of us, we are probably more like Walt or we're probably more like Roy. Chances are we're not going to be both. We might have a little bit of both, but you probably lean one way or the other. Which one do you resonate more with? Which brings me to my second point, which is this. Vision regards history, meaning it takes history into account. You know, this isn't something mystical, meaning vision. It grows from a leader's past. Again, consider Walt Disney. Remember, he had both the dream and the dread. And that's probably true in some sense for all of us as leaders. We just need to find out how and what it is. Every leader that you talk to, every successful leader grew his or her vision for their company from their past experiences, their wins, their losses, the stuff that happened that was good, the mistakes, something that they saw maybe that was missing or something that they saw that needed to change. One of those guys was a guy named Salman Khan, and his story goes like this. Salman Khan founded what's now called the Khan Academy, and he never expected to be an educator, but that's now what everybody sees him as. In 2006, he started up uh, some lessons on YouTube, initially for his cousins, but then people started tuning in. You see, they started tuning in to his vision, and by 2009, Salman quit his job and he formed the Khan Academy, which aimed at online video tutorials. And it ended up catching the attention of both Google and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. I mean, talk about bringing people alongside your vision. He wanted to make vision available for everybody. In fact, the mission statement or part of it says this when they asked him, he said, we have a mission for free world-class education for anyone, anywhere. Wow, what a vision. That is something that is bigger than himself. So here's the question. What's your story? You don't necessarily need to start your own business or even a nonprofit organization, but you do have something that's burning inside you. Draw upon your past. What are your experiences? What do you do well? What is it that you have loved doing your whole life? What is something that others say to you, wow, you do this really good. You do this really well because you need to draw on those experiences on that past. You know, a lot of people and people hear me say this all the time that we need more cheerleaders in our life and less critics. And that's why you need to draw on your past and and ask yourself, who are the people who have really been coming alongside of me and really being the people that are helping me see what I do well? Because I can tell you this, I know that there's stuff that you do well. 
You just have to figure it out. And don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to people who say that you can't do it. It doesn't matter what they think because they're not you. And let me give you a newsflash here. You know how much most of those critics are thinking about you? They're thinking about you 0%. They're not thinking about anything. Most of the time we're thinking, oh man, is somebody going to say something mean about me or they're not going to believe in me? It doesn't matter because they are too worried, busy, worried and busy thinking about themselves. So do what you're passionate about. Draw upon the past. Those experiences, make that work for you. And that brings me to my final point of the day. And it's this. Vision reaches others. And isn't this what leadership is all about? We talk about this every single week. And it's not a surprise that your vision cannot be just limited to you. Your vision is for other people. It goes way beyond. In fact, the best visions always reach way beyond the individual level. It's got to be bigger than you because, right, if there's nobody following you, you're not a leader. Lead, follower, get out of the way. But as my Latin teacher told me in high school, if you're, take, if, if you're, if you're walking and you look behind you and there's nobody, there's nobody following, then you're just taking a walk. And leadership is always about relationships and adding value to those people. Are you adding value to people today? Did you wake up this morning thinking, how can I add value to others? Because when your head hits the pillow tonight, if you're a leader, you should have in your head the people that you were able to affect in a positive way. It's about others. And it's the reason that we do what we do as leaders. It requires us to think bigger. People are only going to follow you if you have a big vision. People are only going to follow you if they know that you are somebody who can get there. And it doesn't matter if you've ever been there before. They want to know that you are confident in the vision. We talk about relationships in terms of capital. And relationships are the capital of leadership. It's the money. It's the thing that matters. It's what we have that means something. And a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about the importance of building the relational foundation of your leadership. You know, it's important to build those relationships and care about your people because once you get people on your side, they're going to have a reason to follow you. But then I also love this quote from John Maxwell and other people have said it and it's credited to a bunch of different people, but I remember hearing it from John Maxwell and he said this, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. But once they know you care, you better darn well know something. And so leaders, are you taking the time to continually build on your craft, build on your vision, help to bring people along? Because those people are the ones why your vision exists. They're the ones that you need to be thinking, how can I make life better for them? How can I make life better for my people, the people that are looking to me to be successful? You know, a compelling vision is like a magnet. If you want to know that your vision is gaining traction, look to see the following happening. Think about this. You'll be attracting others to be a part of your team. People are going to want to come and be a part of what you do because people are drawn to other people who know what they're, who know what they're doing. They're actually drawn to people like themselves and people that they want to be like. 
I talk all the time about my mentors, the men and women who have been in my life over the course of my life that I want to be like them. And so I continually am magnetized to them. They are magnets. They are the people that are making a difference. And I want to be a part of that. Also this, you'll start to challenge others in a positive way concerning not just business and the things that you do at work, but also life decisions. In fact, what my mentor used to tell me is this. When I asked him, I said, how do I know when I'm leading? How, would I know, how do I know when I'm making an impact? And he said, Mo, you'll start to know that you're making an impact when people start coming to you and they want your advice on things that have nothing to do with what your actual business is. So if you're in an office and your company makes widgets and you do spreadsheets all day, but people start coming to your cubicle and saying, hey, I had a question. There's something going on at home and, and I know that you might have some insight in this. Can you give me your insight? That's when you're gonna know that you are making a difference. You are doing the positive things in the lives of others. So help people with their decisions. Help them get out of the status quo. I mean, we are so locked in the status quo and, and we're worried about being comfortable. I wanna get outside of the box. And also this, you're gonna begin to unite people, both around the cause and also one another. Because isn't there camaraderie when we believe in something together? I mean, take sports, for example, right? We all root for certain sports teams and really all we're doing is we're wearing the same jerseys and it's like, well, that guy or that girl's wearing the same jersey as me. We must be on the same team. But you know what? It brings that camaraderie. And you know, if you've ever gone to a football game or a baseball game and your team wins, you're walking outside and you're, you're, you're high-fiving and you're having a good time. Or if the team loses, right? You're walking outside and you're kind of looking at each other and like, hey, I know how you feel, right? <laughs> but vision unites people both around the cause and around one another. The leader that has that vision does that. You know, there's a, a quote by a guy named Edwin Land, and he is the founder of Polaroid. And he said years ago this, the first thing that you do is teach the person to feel the vision and that it's very important and nearly impossible. That draws out the drive in winners. And you know, leaders, it's our job to help people win. It is your job to go above and beyond and help your team win. It's your job to make sure that they feel like they can rally around the vision of the company and they can rally around you as the visionary. And if you are not a visionary, you need to, to figure out how to do it. You need to talk to people with vision. If you have questions, you can even reach out to me. I'm a visionary guy. I'm a futuristic guy. I'm always looking out. And I love talking to people about the bigger picture. I love talking to people about what it means to have vision because everything is about the vision. For a leader, remember, vision is everything. So here's one more question on that last point. Are you driving people to a higher goal? Are you encouraging them to win both individually and as a team member for the company or the cause. And so a couple of final thoughts as we wrap it up here today. Well, let's just recap, actually. For the leader, vision is everything, right? And so there's three things that we talked about today. The first is that vision resides in the heart. It's got to be at your very core. Secondly, Vision regards history. It takes into account what has already happened in your life to help you understand and figure out what you want to do and what's bigger than you are. Which leads to the third and final point, right? Which is vision reaches others. 
Vision is bigger than you. It's got to be big enough to where people are needed, that you need them so that you can get the vision for the company, for the team. And so my final thoughts are this, a couple. First, find out what you need to pursue. What's something that grabs you to the very depth of what you believe? What do you do well? What do people look and say, man, you do this great. You need to do this all the time. You need to make this a business. And secondly, after you've done that, here's the hard part. Here it is. You got to write down that vision because writing down the vision is going to bring you clarity. This is going to allow you to articulate both to yourself and to others what your vision is. And then we can start talking about a mission statement, but we're not even there yet. We want to find the core of your belief system, the vision, what you do well and what you want to do to help others to get to the next level. And that writing it down is the first and best step at actually carrying it out. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode today. Thanks so much for joining us on the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.